Welcome to the City Church Sermon Podcast. City Church is a new church located in the city of Frisco, Texas, just north of Dallas. Our hope and prayer is that the following message can serve as an encouragement and as a blessing and inspiration in your walk with Christ. If you have any questions about City Church and want more information about us or you want to visit during one of our Sunday celebrations, please visit us online at citychurchfrisco.org or email us at hello at citychurchfrisco.org. If you would like to contribute financially to this ministry, you can do so at citychurchfrisco.org slash give. Thank you for listening. John chapter 21, verse 20. If you don't have your Bibles, feel free to open up your Bible app. This is an opportunity for us to, to use our technology. Amen. Thank God for technology. This is the one time that you'll be on your phone during the sermon and we won't think you're on Facebook. All right. John chapter 21, verse 20. I may have it. And I'm going to be reading out of the New International Version. The Word of God says, Peter turned and saw that the disciple whom Jesus loved was following them. This was the one who had leaned back against Jesus at the supper and had said, Lord, who is going to betray you? When Peter saw him, he asked, Lord, what about him? Verse 22, Jesus answered, If I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? You must follow me. You must follow me. Let's pray. Father, I come before your presence at this moment. I thank you, Lord Jesus, because your word speaks to us. And I know that today, Lord, uh, you have a word for each one of us. I ask you, God, that our hearts would be open, receptive, to what you have to say to to us. Lord, let your word help us. Let your word lead us. Let your word guide us in our lives and everything that we do, Jesus, that everything we do can bring honor and glory to you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen. Praise the Lord, everybody. So we're in a sermon series we started last week called Focus. And um, our focus is very important. Our focus, where we're looking at, dictates where we're going to go. What we're looking at dictates where we're going to shoot our our arrow. We're going to shoot our energy into. And and as I told you guys last week, what consumes our mind will control our life. And this week, I want to continue with this idea. What are we focused on and what is it that controls our lives? Um, as I was preparing for the subject that we're going to be speaking on today, I was, I was being uh, convicted uh, for something that when I was a really young, young, um, that had happened in my life. And I remember that as I was trying to think of, well, how can I explain it to everybody that this came to my mind? And please excuse me, I'm a child of the 80s and technology was a big thing in my life as I was growing up. But when I was growing up, one day I, I, I remember we were desiring for my parents to, to buy something for us. And we, we bugged them and we, we, my brother and I, we just were after it. And we wanted this so badly. I mean, this was the greatest and biggest thing up until this moment. We're talking about maybe late to mid to late 80s. And finally, one day my parents just gave in. 
I don't remember if it was one, one of our birthdays. I don't remember if it was Christmas. I don't remember what it was, why they finally buckled and they said, yes, we will buy this for you. And we, I remember going to the store, so excited, so, so full of joy to get to the store. And we pick out our box. We take our box home and we had gotten one of these bad boys here. I don't know if some of you may remember it. Um, yeah. The Atari 7800. I mean, this is not the 2600. This is the next generation level video game console system. And we were, man, we were riding cloud nine. We were so excited. It was amazing. I had one game. Very bad graphics, but in that time, it was amazing. And we were so excited, but there's something you got to understand. When we got home, we, we lived in something called a duplex. I don't know if you guys all know what a duplex is, but basically a duplex is two houses in one, right? You have the A side and the B side, and this was our home. And on the other side of the, of the structure, my, my aunt and my uncle lived. And my aunt and my uncle lived there with their five kids in a two-bedroom home. I don't, I don't know how they did it. It was none of my business. But we were all there. And it was fun and it was exciting because we got up every day. We got to play with our cousins. We had a great time because we, were, we had great relationships. But let me tell you, we got home with this little, with this thing here and we were just so excited. No, 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 you can't play yet. You can't, nope, nope, nope. And see, this one has one controller. We actually had two controllers. I mean, we went all out, all out. Our joy was so great. Our joy was so high. But you know what happened one day, one day? It was like a sucker punch to the stomach. It, it was crazy just now thinking about it, how, how our emotions and how our, our eyes can just steal our contentment and our joy. One day, my cousins came home from being out and about. I don't know what they were doing. But one day, they came home, and they came with a box as well. And they had this with them. What? What? All of a sudden, the joy and the cloud nine we were riding and the excitement we felt was sucked out of our lives. My brother and I, before we walked with our heads held high, oh yeah, then all of a sudden it's like, we didn't even want to go over. We didn't even want to touch our Atari 7800. But then one day, <laughs> after about a year of suffering, and shame, well, we got to the next level. <laughs> That's right. Now we were winning again. <laughs> we were up again. And, and here's the truth that you and I, we need to understand. Contentment in our lives, contentment ends when comparison begins. When we begin to look around and look at the pretty things that other people have, 
We, we begin to look at people's stuff. We begin to look at the things that uh, someone else may have. All of a sudden, the things that you and I all of a sudden, the things that once brought us so much joy, the things that once brought us so much excitement, all of a sudden, they lose their luster. They lose their excitement. And I want to help somebody today because I believe that one of the biggest things that affect our lives day in and day out, for the, and generally speaking, whether you may admit it or not, is this idea of comparing ourselves with everyone else. Have you ever noticed this in your life? Everything is going good in your life. Everything is well. You feel blessed. You feel like the sun is just shining on you. God is smiling upon you. Your husband is good. Your wife is good. Life can just not, it cannot get any better. But all of a sudden we see something that catches our eyes' attention. And it's something that you and I don't have. It's something that doesn't belong to us. And something happens in our hearts. Something in our heart begins to grow. Something in our heart begins to crave. Something in our heart begins to lust after something that we don't have. And this is where this happens when the things that were good are no longer good. The blessing you once enjoyed is now a blessing you don't appreciate. A blessing that you once walked in with favor and you walked with your head held high now is a blessing that you no longer feel you no longer feel is worth having. We look at other people's blessings, we look at their stuff, we look at their finances, we look at their spouses. Come on, somebody. We look at their relationships. We look at their positions, their titles, their performances, their ministries. And all of a sudden, what we thought was a blessing in our lives now looks like it's nothing of value. The 26th president of the United States, Theodore Roosevelt, said this. Comparison is the thief of joy. Is this not true? That comparison is the ultimate killjoy. Comparison is the ultimate stealer of our joy. And see, God knew this was going to be an issue for your heart. Yes, I'm talking to you. God knew this was going to be an issue in your life. That's why when God was handing out the Ten Commandments in Exodus chapter 20, verse 17, the last commandment, the tenth commandment, he said, You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife. Come on, somebody. Or his male or female servant, his ox or donkey, or anything that belongs to your neighbor. See, if I was to translate this into modern-day language today, this is what I would say. You shall not desire your neighbor's house. You shall not desire your neighbor's wife or the fact that he has landscapers and housekeepers. You shall not desire his job, his cars, or anything else that belongs to him. Because comparison steals our joy. And here's the problem today. Here is the problem. It is easier than ever for comparison 
to run rampage in our lives. We're constantly barraged with information. We're constantly being exposed to other people's social media news feeds. We are constantly, we're waking up early in the morning to watch somebody else's wedding that we weren't invited to. And we're like, oh, that's so pretty. That's so dreamy. I'm not judging. I'm just saying. And we're constantly, constantly, whether it's intentional or not, whether you're aware of it or not, I, I, we begin to compare our lives to others and we, man, I would like to do that someday. I would like to go there someday. I want to go eat there too. I, I, I want to experience that also. Well, no, or we go the other end. Man, my wedding was nicer than that. See, I, I, I wouldn't have done it that way. That's not where, oh, I've been there five times. We're constantly comparing. And then the ultimate, well, if I had money, I would do that too. And we go on and on and on. The Apostle Paul said this about comparison. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 12. We wouldn't dare say that we are as wonderful as these other men who tell you how important they are. But they are comparing themselves with each other, using themselves as the standard of measurement. How ignorant. Ouch. How. See, in everything that you and I do, in everything that we wake up in the morning and we set our minds to, the number one thing that you and I should do is we should seek to honor God with our lives. We should seek to honor God with our mind. We should seek to honor God with our lips. We should seek to honor God with our hands. We should seek to honor God with our feet. Everything that you and I do should be for the purpose of living. Lifting up God and honoring him. But here's what happens. Comparing the two things happens. When you and I compare, it either makes you feel superior or inferior. And neither honors God. Neither one of those honors God. Paul warned us in, in Romans chapter 12, 3, that we should not think of ourselves more highly than we are. That we shouldn't think that we're better than what we are. Come on, tell your neighbor, you're good, but you're not that good. <laughs> Maybe your neighbor didn't receive it. Tell the other one, you're good, but, but you're not that good. And Paul says, don't think of yourself as, you're better, as if you're better than everyone else. Don't be comparing yourselves with one another. It's foolish. It's ignorant. There's another Bible version I was going to use, but I didn't want to use it. Because I, I didn't know if we were ready for that today. <laughs> it's in the Bible. It's in the Bible. But it says, don't be ignorant. Don't be foolish. If you think of yourself superior, you're not honoring God. Mine was better. My house is bigger. Their house is nice, but it doesn't compare to mine. No. And then if we go the opposite direction where we feel inferior, the Bible says, let me remind you that the Bible says that you are made in the image of God. That what you have, who you are, 
in your mind, in your heart. You were created in the image of God. By definition, you cannot be inferior to anyone else. When you feel those feelings in your life that you're not worthy, when you feel like you can't, that you can't compare to to the great things God has done in somebody else's life, let me remind you, you are God's child created by God to do wonderful works for his honor and for his glory. You are not an inferior being on this earth. You are God's child. And when it comes to what God has done in our lives, so gracious, he is so gracious, we need to be careful. Because I truly believe that the moment that you desire someone else's blessing is the moment that you reject the blessings in your life. God is giving you way too much. He's giving you an amazing family. Yeah, there's dysfunction at times. Yeah, there's issues at times. But that's your family. That's what God has blessed you with. And the moment you desire something that doesn't belong to you, you begin to reject what you already have. And we ought to be careful because God gives and God takes. We are called to lead God-honoring lives and living by comparing ourselves to one another will never lead us to honor God. So what should our focus be? What should we really look at in our lives? Because this is such a danger for us. Like I said, we sometimes do it without even realizing it. We buy a house because we're trying to keep up with somebody. We buy a vehicle because we saw it and we now are comparing what we have to what what they have. And we're like, well, I'm going to get one of those one day. I'm going to work really hard to to get that one day. I'm going to work really hard because my heart is not set on God. My heart is set on stuff. So what should our focus be? In the verses we read... In the beginning of this message, we find Jesus having a conversation with Peter. And just to catch you up, just in case you've forgotten where we stand, Peter has denied Jesus not once, not twice, but three times. You, you're one of them, right? You, you, you were with Jesus of Nazareth. No, no idea what you're talking about. Hey, I know you, you were with them in the garden. Nope, that's not me. Hey, I saw you. The Bible says that he got so upset that he cursed. Even the apostles cursed. I pray for those apostles. And, and, and he denied Jesus. Now Jesus was risen from the dead. And this conversation where we're now seeing Jesus walking with Peter, Jesus, this is the first conversation that Peter and Jesus have. In the verses before that, we didn't read them, but Jesus asked Peter three times, Peter, Simon, do you love me? Simon Peter says, yes, Lord, I love you. Feed my lambs was Jesus' response. Peter, do you love me? Well, yes, Lord, you know I love you. Take care of my sheep. Then for a third time, Jesus, just to drive it home, says, ask him one more time, Peter, do you love me? 
Peter's now at this moment a little bit upset. Maybe he's, he's getting a little bit of the guilt pangs that we sometimes get when God is speaking to us and God is trying to work in our lives and says, Lord, you know that I love you. You know that I, I want to serve you. You know, Jesus, I keep messing up. I, I, keep, I keep going the wrong way, but you know that I love you. And Jesus looks at him one more time and says, feed my sheep. And follow me. See, in this moment, in this time, Peter received this mission. Yeah, he had fallen. He had denied Jesus. He had walked away from Jesus, even though he had said, I will follow you even unto death. And when he was tested, he failed. I wonder how many times in our lives do we feel like God has tested us and we fell. We feel that God is, is trying to do something in our lives. And instead of making God proud, we feel like we, we messed up and we backed off. And I think this happens more often than not in our lives. But I just want to let someone know that Jesus is still asking you, do you love me, son? Do you love me, daughter? And if your answer is yes, yes, you love me, I have a mission for your life. I have a purpose for your life. I created you for something great. I created you for something that only you can fulfill. Only you can do it. Tell your neighbor, only you can do it. Do you love me? He asked this question because, not because Jesus didn't know. Not because, again, when Jesus asks a question, it's not that he doesn't know the answer. He's trying to work in your life. And Jesus asks you the question, do you love me? And it's not because Jesus is insecure in his relationship with you. But he wants you to affirm your faith in him. He needs you to be like, yes, I do love you. And Jesus tells us, use what I've given you. Don't worry about what they have. I've given you something. Use what I've given you. Do you love me? Yes, Lord. Yes, I do love Use your blessings to care for others. Do you love me? Yes, Lord. Then you need to follow me wherever I go. Jesus was given, Jesus gave Peter a, a mission. He gave him a flock to tend to. And Peter, at this moment, I mean, I, I think I would have been excited. Yes, Jesus has accepted me back. He's telling me to feed his sheep. He's telling me to take care of his people. He's telling me to follow him. Even though I denied him three times. Even though I walked away from my faith. Even though I've been long gone from him. He says, hey, follow me. You can still follow me. And this is where we end up. That Peter turns around. And he sees that the, that the disciple... The other guy that was with him is following him. And all Peter can say, instead of saying, thank you, Jesus, for forgiving me. Thank you, Jesus, for giving me a mission. Thank you, Jesus, for following me. The one thing that is on Peter's mind is, what about him? What about that guy? I like to imagine that Jesus gave Peter this, like, really? Really, look? Really, Peter? Because in his response, you kind of feel a little agitation in Jesus' voice. And, 
And Jesus is like, man, you know what? I've just given you purpose. I've given you a mission. I have blessed you in your life. And you're worried about what's going to happen with him? Here's the thing, church. That you and I, we don't have time to be focused on what someone else is doing. God has delivered and given you purpose in your life. He's given me a purpose in my life. I can't stop to look at what, what's going on over here. What's going on at this church? What's going on over here? I saw on Facebook how many people that church had. I don't have time to be doing that. The moments of my life are passing by. I don't know how much longer I'm going to live but what I do know is that I'm here right now I have a mission I have a purpose and that completes my joy there comes a moment when you have to just say excuse me sir I don't have time I mean I don't have time to be looking at your stuff because my life is passing by I can't keep looking at what you've got because my children are growing up. I can't keep looking at what you got because God has given me stuff too. My stuff may not look like your stuff. My stuff may not sound like your stuff. My stuff may not work like your stuff, but that's my stuff. That's what I'm responsible for. That's what God has put in my hands. And if, you're, if God has asked you to be faithful in that, says, if you can be faithful in the small things, in the little things, I will put you above and you can be faithful in the greater things. But you got to be faithful now. You can't keep looking around to what everyone else is doing. I want to use what God has given me to bring glory to his name. I want to use what God has given me to lift up his name. I want to use what God has given me so I can share the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I've got my stuff. Jesus is agitated. <laughs> Lord, what about him? Jesus answered, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? In other words, it's none of your business. In Spanish, I think it would say, ¿Qué te importa? <laughs> ¿Por qué? Why are you so worried about what's going on in their lives? Do you not have enough in your life to be worried about? To be concerned about what's going on in your neighbor's life? In your brother and your sister's life? I mean... Jesus tells Peter, what does it matter to you? You, you must follow me. That's all that matters. You must follow me. I've given you a gifting. I've given you a talent. I've given you purpose. I've given you a mission. Now follow me. Follow me. This is your focus. Not what someone else is doing. So what happens is that when, we're, when someone else is blessed, that's awesome. That's great. We should celebrate the blessings in other people's lives. 
We celebrate and, and we say, bro, we're happy for you, bro. Uh, that is awesome, bro. Congratulations. But I can't stay here and dwell in your blessing because I have a blessing that I have to tend to over here. Man, that is great for you. You keep going and I'll be going along your side in my gifting. I'll be going along your side in my talent because you can't do what I can do and you can't do what I can do. I can only do what I can do. I can only do me. I saw. So how? How do we get our focus right? We let Jesus determine our wins. Not the world. When the world tells us that our business should be the biggest business and it should be a multi-million dollar corporation and that we should chase it, Jesus tells you, you know what? Just make sure that you run your business with integrity. If you do that, I'll bless you. Don't, don't worry about what everyone else is doing. Be integral. Have integrity. When the world tells us that to be a good father and a good mother, we need to give our children every opportunity that we didn't have. We need to hand them things that we never got. We need to uh, affirm them and lift them up. Yes, we should affirm them and lift them up. But Jesus tells us, you know what? Don't be too worried about other things that, that don't matter. Be worried about pointing them to me. Be worried about you showing me them who I am. When the world tells us to store up treasures here on this earth, I need the biggest house, the best cars, the most stuff. Jesus tells us, store up treasures for yourself up in heaven. Have a heart for God. Have a heart for people. Serve people. Love one another. Love your neighbor. How do I focus? We let Jesus Determine our wins. Don't let the world determine what success is in your life. Don't let your neighbor determine what's good in your life or what's bad in your life. God has blessed you. Can someone say amen to that? God has blessed you? God has blessed you. God has blessed me. How do I focus? We keep our eyes on Jesus. Jesus already won. If you read this book, you, you go to the end of the book in Revelations, you know what the answer is in your life. You know that Jesus already won the victory and the, and the script. You Spoiler alert, you already know what's going to happen at the end. There's no mystery. There is no... no uh, Wondering about whether or not God is going to come through for us or not. God has already come through in your life. Like I told you last week, you already have it. It's just time that you and I start walking in the victory because Jesus already won the victory in our lives. Run like it's already won. I will fix my eyes on Jesus. I'm going to ask you to stand. How do I focus? Listen, church. The way you focus your life is by running your race. Don't run someone else's race. Don't go after something that was never intended for you. 
Don't go after relationships that God never intended for you. Don't go after blessings that God never gave you. You be faithful in what God has given you at this moment. Tend to your flock. Tend your sheep. Follow Jesus. Run your race. Let there be purpose. If I step with the right foot, there's purpose. When I step with the left foot, there's purpose. When I go to the left, there's purpose. When I go to the right, there is purpose because my eyes are focused not on this world. My eyes are focused not on someone else. My eyes are fixed on Jesus, the author and the consumer of my faith. That's who I look for. That's where my hope is. That's where I fulfill my calling. We got to understand, the Bible says that you are God's masterpiece. He did not create another brother Andy. He did not create another brother Freddie. He didn't create another brother Caesar. He didn't create another Pastor Daniel. He created each one of us individually with care and with love and breathed life into us. So you got to understand, church, no one can beat you at being you. You're it. There's only one you. And you're perfect in Jesus' eyes. Stop looking at your neighbor. Stop looking at your supervisors. Stop looking at your coworkers. Stop comparing the things that you have with what other, others have. Start walking in the blessing that God has given you. Don't be like eight-year-old Daniel. Now I can't be happy. They got something better than I. Because the truth is someone, someone's always going to have something better than you have. If you look at it that way. That's the truth. There's always going to be a bigger house. There's always going to be a better car. There's always going to be a new iPhone. There's always going to be a new this, a new that. But there's only one of you. And with the time that you and I have, the time that God has blessed us with, the time that God has given us on this earth, are we going to waste it looking around at what others are doing? Or are we going to use it to our utmost advantage to serve God, to serve one another, to serve God, to love one another? to serve God and let the world know that there is a hope for this world there is an answer for all this evil there is an answer for what troubles us his name is Jesus what more can you want what more can you have Jesus is on your side